Cleanliness may be next to godliness, but does it prevent allergies? So I ask, should you let your child eat food that's hit the floor? You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Dean Metcalf. Dr. Metcalf is the Chief of the Laboratory of Allergic Diseases at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at the NIH in Bethesda, Maryland. He is past chairman of the American Board of Allergy and Immunology and past president of the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Dr. Metcalf is the author of over 450 scientific publications on mast cell biology, food allergy, mastocytosis, and asthma. Today we are discussing food allergy, prevention, and prediction. Welcome, Dr. Metcalf, and thanks for taking the time to join us at the Clinician's Roundtable. How are you? Food allergy. Many people have many different concepts of what it is and what causes it. For the purposes of our discussion, how are you going to define food allergies? We're going to talk about food allergy is the way I think most people talk about it, which is an allergic reaction to a food uh, after you eat that food that comes on pretty quickly that requires a sensitization to that food, which is due to a prior exposure to that food. A very typical reaction would be a child who eats peanuts and is sensitive to peanuts and then breaks out in hives, maybe has some abdominal problems. If it's a severe reaction, maybe trouble breathing and even something we call anaphylaxis when the reaction involves all body systems and can be life-threatening. So this is the kind of food allergy, really, that I think most people talk about in common use. There are other kinds of reactions to foods that some people sometimes call allergic reactions to foods, which may be on another basis and may be delayed. We're talking about food allergy, immediate reactions to something that you're allergic to. Now, other allergic responses, such as the delayed reaction in asthma, occur and are well known. You mentioned they come on quickly. Are there true food allergies that can be biphasic and have a late phase response? Generally, no. We generally think of a food allergic reaction as coming on within minutes, usually within an hour of consuming a food. The reaction can go on for a while, and if it's treated but not treated sufficiently, it can come back after treatment and look like a kind of biphasic reaction. You also mentioned prior exposure. Is that prior exposure sometimes unknown? Yes, it certainly is. It's not uncommon to see a child react to peanuts, and the parents really have a hard time thinking of any time the child has been exposed to peanuts. But, of course, a lot of these foods are hidden in other foods, and sometimes you simply cannot make the association. I mentioned godliness and cleanliness. Hygiene hypothesis and the etiology of allergies, a hot topic right now. Does it play any role in food allergies? Well, it probably does. You know, the concern of allergists and people uh, with allergies and people who don't have allergies, for that matter, is that the number of people in our culture that have allergies seems to be increasing every year. And people look for explanations for this. And one of the more attractive ideas is that in modern society, we don't get exposed to most of the infections that at one time people were exposed to. So we really live in a very clean society. As you said, children don't eat the food off the floors. We're not raised in farming communities where there was high exposure to animals and things of this sort and infections. Yes, yeah, so it does look like that if we don't educate our immune system to respond to infectious threats, that it does 
tend to leave a person with more susceptibilities to allergies. That's the hygiene hypothesis. Since we want to begin, I think, with prediction and prevention, in terms of prediction, obviously it's bad news to pick parents with allergies, but is there anything parents can do in terms of genetic testing or use of cord blood IgE to predict which child may go on and develop allergies? It's certainly not a test that you can rely on with any surety. The general observation has been that if cord blood IgE levels are higher, that child is more likely to be allergic. But there are so many exceptions that any reliance on that test on a routine basis would simply be misleading for a lot of children. You mentioned that if one parent or a both parents are allergic. The child has a progressive probability of becoming allergic themselves, and that actually is probably a better predictor. You know, and if the child is born into a family with siblings who are allergic, you know, that child has a higher chance to be allergic. It's really a genetic basis. There's not one trait or one gene that's responsible for allergies, but it's multiple genes. But we all tend to develop diseases that we're predisposed to passed on by our parents, and this is no exception, really. So parents bring their child home from the hospital, and they want to minimize the risk of this child developing allergies. What should they do? It's been observed that in high-risk families that there's a great benefit to breastfeeding, for instance, at least for the first three months of life. Indeed, there's even some evidence that breastfeeding for the first three months of life may actually maybe slightly decrease the number of allergies or allergic diseases that that child gets later in life. But certainly in a high-risk family, breastfeeding is, is really to be encouraged. And then a slow introduction of solid foods with the less allergic to the more allergic foods under the guidance of a pediatrician. The concern of parents often goes beyond that into some areas where the data is not supportive of what parents may or may not choose to do. For instance, in a highly allergic family, the mother may be advised by some physicians to actually avoid foods that have a high potential of inducing allergies, such as peanuts and milk. But there really is no good evidence that a pregnant woman should avoid these substances before the baby is born. Then the question is whether or not a mother who's breastfeeding a child should avoid highly allergenic materials. And there is some evidence for instance, in a highly allergenic family, that it might be better uh, if the mother did not eat peanuts because small amounts of peanuts could be excreted in breast milk and sensitize a child. I'd like to come back to breastfeeding in just a moment and welcome those who may just be joining us and inform them that they're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Dean Metcalf, Chief of the Laboratory of Allergic Diseases at the NIH. We are discussing prevention and prediction of food allergy. You're speaking about breast milk and what mothers should do in terms of dietary modifications. Please continue. So going back to breastfeeding, the question is, should the mother avoid certain foods that have been associated with a higher number of allergies in children, such as cow's milk and peanut, for instance? And the evidence here is not convincing. Um, in some situations in high allergy risk families, yes, that should probably be done. But as a general recommendation, no, the evidence is just simply not convincing. And in fact, there is a growing body of evidence that if a child is exposed early to small amounts of food, 
in various situations, including breast milk, that there is a chance that the child will actually become tolerant to that food. And there are clinical studies now that are trying to look at whether or not you can actually decrease the number of children, for example, that have peanut allergy by an earlier exposure to peanuts. Is that the Israeli study? That's the Israeli study. And it's based on an observation that in cultures where children are exposed to peanuts earlier in life actually do not have an increased incidence of peanut sensitivity compared to the United States where, in general, probably children do not get exposed to things like peanuts as early. But there are some constancies in the recommendations you can make. And one of them is that whenever possible, breastfeeding for the first three months of life is desirable. Now, the American Academy of Pediatrics says one year or longer. Do you think they're going to be changing their recommendations, or how strong is the data? No, but I'm specifically talking about the evidence of changing the allergies that the child has. There are other reasons for breastfeeding, and we're just strictly talking about allergies. There are a lot of other beneficial effects of breast milk in a child. What I'm really talking about is if you breastfeed for the three, first three months of life, that it does seem to decrease the allergies that a child has later or the allergic diseases for a while that the child may experience. Beyond three months and the additional breastfeeding that's recommended, if you look at that, it really doesn't seem to be having a major impact on the allergies that the child has. But there are other reasons to breastfeed. Would the same thing apply to the solid food? Again, the Academy says not to introduce solid foods to six months, dairy at a year, eggs wait two years, peanuts, nuts, and fish wait even until the child's three years old. Those are all reasonable recommendations. The idea is to, to introduce foods that are less allergenic early and wait till later to introduce the more allergenic foods. But as I've pointed out, you know, the evidence that this is beneficial is more anecdotal than based on reality. Is there any difference in the frequency or incidence of allergies in children that are stay-at-home children versus children in daycare where they may be exposed to more infections? I know there's some talk about using probiotics. There's talk about the effect of microbes, endotoxins, things that may produce a TH2 response. Have you seen any differences in that fashion, daycare versus home care? The first question is whether or not children in certain circumstances seem to have fewer allergies, maybe due to the hygiene hypothesis. So what's been seen is that children that attend daycare and are exposed to a number of other children, children from larger families that have more siblings, children that are raised in certain farming communities will have less allergies later in life. And maybe that relates to the hygiene hypothesis. Maybe it relates somehow or other to genetics interacting with the environment in a different way. The issue of probiotics is an attempt to come in and correct that situation by trying to have something administered to the child that has, if you will, good bacteria in it that will create a situation where the child will become less allergic. There are a lot of advocates of the use of probiotics. The Evidence that they are effective is minimal. Uh, some studies have shown that they're effective. Others have shown that they're not. In the end, this is a decision really that parents have to make with their pediatrician. I will say that any dietary manipulation should be done carefully so as not to affect the nutritional status of the child. In the American College of allergy, asthma, immunology, practice guidelines for food allergy, 
they talk about other factors, one of which I don't understand, but maybe you could shed some light on. They said tobacco smoke is a risk factor for the development of food allergy. It's been known for a long time that for whatever reason, that children that are raised in an environment where they're exposed to a lot of cigarette smoke are more likely to develop allergies. The scientific basis seems to go back to the fact that some of the components of tobacco smoke are actually what are known as adjuvants. That is, they can help sensitize to something in the environment. I'd like to thank Dr. Dean Metcalf, who has been our guest at the Clinician's Roundtable. This is Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you've been listening to ReachMD, XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thanks for listening. I wish you good day and good health.